Well, we are talking about being transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I want to encourage you, if you have a Bible with you today, whether paper or electronic, uh, find two places in Scripture, John chapter 15 and then James chapter 1. We're going to look in both places uh, this morning. Well, as we jump into uh, to the message today, I want to take you to another generation, maybe another season of life, those parenting years. Uh, and there was a mom and uh, her little boy that were, were just in one of those battles of the will. You know how that happens sometimes, right? It's kind of like, oh, okay, we're going at it. It's just been one of those days where they were just kind of kind of going at it back and forth. And finally, mom had had enough, and so she she sent her son to the timeout corner, right? Timeout corner. And, and told him, you sit there. And obviously, they had done this before because there was a chair already designated there in the timeout corner. And you go there, and you sit in the timeout corner until I tell you to go out. And so the little boy goes over there, and in one kind of act of defiance still yet. He's, he's there with his arms crossed and he, he stands, but he, he says, I'm not going to sit in that chair. I'm just going to stand. Well, that just got all over mom, you know. I, and it, that doesn't happen to you, I'm sure, but to other moms and dads, right? Uh, it just got all over her. And she, she just went and made sure that he put his little seat in the seat, right? And put him down there in the seat. And so he just kind of like one last strike uh, for freedom, right? As he sat there in that chair, arms crossed, he kind of muttered back to her. He said, I'm sitting on the outside, but I'm still standing on the inside, right? <laughs> we can kind of identify, right? But a lot of times when we talk about change, sometimes we think it's just about the external. It's about behavior modification. Just get people to do things differently. But when we're talking about transformed by the gospel, the foundation we tried to lay last week was it's not, it's not about behavior modification. It's, it's about change from the inside out. It's not about I'm going to behave on the outside one way, but I'm going to stand defiantly on the inside. No, but more and more, my heart, my desires, my thinking, my actions are aligned with the power and the presence of Christ because of what he has done for me and is continuing to do for me in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So when we talk about change, we talk about transform, we are not talking about just modify your behavior to be a good boy or a good girl. Uh, We're talking about how can my life be changed from the inside out by the power of God. Let me just take you back uh, because I I want these truths to kind of just saturate into us. I want to take you back to some of the key truths for this series that we kind of introduced last week. Let me hit them real quickly, just three key thoughts. The first is the gospel is not just how we begin in Christ, but it's how we grow in Christ. And we talked last week, it's not just about uh, about, like I get in and I'm forgiven and then I kind of have like my ticket to heaven at the end, Uh, but the gospel is for for every season, every moment of our life. It's not just for the beginning, but it's how we continue to grow in Christ. And the parallel with that is the way that you grow in Christ is never growing beyond the gospel, but growing deeper 
in the gospel. And if you were here last week, we had the, the, the diagram where we, we kind of had the, the, the arrows going that way and the cross getting bigger and bigger and bigger through the, through the, the time. And it's just that reminder that as God continues to work in me, I, I have a growing awareness of his holiness, a growing awareness of my sinfulness, and a growing appreciation of, a growing love for the gospel of Jesus Christ, the provision in the life and the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I never get beyond that. That's not just like uh, beginning steps, but that, that, is, that is something that I go deeper and deeper in, and I have a deeper appreciation of, a deeper love for the gospel of Jesus Christ through those years. I grow not by getting beyond the gospel, but by growing deeper in the gospel. It's said another way, the same grace that's forgiven me is now in the process of changing me. The same grace that forgave me in the beginning of my life in Christ is that same grace is still in the process of changing me from the inside out. And as we looked at John 15, which is kind of our focal passage for this series, we recognize that one key word, and that word was abide. Some of your translations may say remain, uh, abide in me, abide in me, I in you, remain in me, I in you. But the question comes then, well, what exactly is that, and how do you do it? I mean, what, what is it to abide, and how practically do I kind of do that as I live my life on a daily basis? Well, let's, let's talk just to kind of have a picture of three aspects of this abiding. And the first is connection. The first is connection. So in John 15 that we introduced last week, Jesus gives us this picture that uh, he is the vine, and we are the branches. And then he talks about the, the Father being this vine dresser, sovereignly at work in all the situations and circumstances of our life. And in order for there to be abiding, in order for there to be life transformation, there has to be connection. If there is no connection, there is no life. And, and so abiding, first and foremost, is about a connection, a life-giving connection to Jesus Christ that's made possible by His grace through the avenue of faith into each of our lives. But when it's about abiding, we think connection. But not just connection, but dependence. Dependence. Another aspect of abiding is, is a recognition that I am absolutely dependent upon Christ. And not just for the forgiveness of my sin, but for everything in my life. And so as Jesus gave that illustration, that word picture of the vine and the branches, the only way for the, the branches to bear fruit, the only way for the branches to continue to survive, they were absolutely dependent upon the vine. They were absolutely dependent on the life-giving power of the vine. You and I are absolutely dependent upon Christ Jesus. Now, I know that kind of cuts the, across the grain of our flesh, because in our flesh and our, uh, our unredeemed humanness apart from Christ, we want to be independent of God. We want to be independent of one another. In many ways, that cuts across the grain of some of our American culture, right? We're kind of like make heroes of those who pull themselves up by their own bootstraps, and the thought of being dependent seems like weakness to us so often. But the Scripture says to us, until, until we recognize that we are dependent upon Him, 
we will not experience all that he wants to do in and through us. I am dependent not just for my forgiveness. I'm dependent on him for every beat of my heart, every breath of my lungs. I am dependent upon him for life. So it's about connection. It's about living with a sense of dependence. I am dependent upon God and interdependent with others. But abiding is also about continuance. It's about continuance, that I, I continue in this. I continue in a connectedness. I continue in a recognition of my dependence. It's not just a one-time thing, but it's an everyday thing. It's a moment-by-moment moment thing. And I continue in that. Not only do I continue in that, but I actually grow in that. I, I grow grow in a recognition of my dependence. I grow in a recognition of, of my need to be connected to him and even my longing to be vitally connected to him. And so abiding is about connection. It's about dependence. It's about continuance along the way, which then brings us to, okay, if it's about staying connected, if it's about living with that sense of dependence upon him, uh, then how do I do that? I mean, how do I practically abide in him because that's what he says over and over and over again in John 15. And the answer is that Jesus, even in this passage, gives us some practices, some practices that help us to stay connected to him. Now, even as I say that, I just have this, this huge caution because I know what, what happens in our humanness. I know what happens in our fallenness. We begin to look at these practices as ways to earn favor with God, to kind of uh, earn some merit with God along the way. And that's why before we dive into this first practice this morning, I want to just put this caution front and center. The spiritual habits or practices, they don't have the power in themselves but they connect us. They keep us connected, abiding to the place where the God power comes from, and that's from the gospel. That's from the gospel. And, and, and maybe, maybe in our world, because we, maybe a lot of us don't, don't deal regularly with vines and branches, uh, we might think in terms of, uh, of uh, electronics and, and equipment. And so even as we're, even as we're sitting in this room, Right, uh, we have uh, we have air conditioning units running. Right, there's the lights, there's uh, audio, there's video, there's cameras, there's all of these things running in these moments. The minute any of those are disconnected from the power, they don't work. Right, they they don't operate. They don't have the capacity to do what they were designed to do without power running to them and through them. And in much the same way, you and I don't have that, that ability on our own, and neither do these practices. So whether it's, it's prayer or Bible study or whatever you want to, want to talk about, uh, these things don't have power in and of themselves. But they connect us. There are things that connect us to the life-giving power that comes to us through Christ Jesus and through the gospel. And so with that in mind, let me just spend some time this morning talking about the first habit or practice, and that is Jesus' words. Uh, the words of Jesus. Let me take you back to John 15, and we, we read these verses last week, but let me just get you to hone in because I, I want to kind of lift this practice out. Verse 4, abide in me. And I in you, 
As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Notice how he started off, abide in me and I in you. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. So again, you have that pairing, abides in me and I in him. Okay, abide in me, I in you. But then if you go to verse 7, if you abide in me, and you'd expect the next phrase based on what we've already seen to be an I in you, but he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. In this moment, he's, he, he's reminding us that there is this, there is this vital life-giving connection between his words and him. It, abiding in his words is equal to, is connected to abiding in him. And it's not the only place that he talks about this. Let's just stay in John's gospel, in John chapter 8. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. There is something about his word uh, that is life-giving, that is life-transforming. One chapter before 15, John chapter 14, Jesus answers, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Again, this, this power, this, this importance of the words of Christ that he equates to the words of the Father. John Piper puts it this way, and so letting the words of Jesus abide in you means taking whatever steps are necessary, whatever steps are necessary to keep the living voice of Jesus speaking with you through the words that he spoke in Scripture. Now sit with that for just a moment. Whatever steps are necessary to keep the living voice of Jesus speaking with you through the words that he spoke in Scripture. So that as we think about this gift of Scripture, we think not just as a, this a religious document, but it is, it is this source where I can hear the living voice of Jesus speaking with me. Now that's huge, that's huge. Because if you begin to think about it that way, it changes the way that you engage in some of these practices that I'm not just coming to get a devotional thought. I'm not just get coming to get a list of do's and don'ts. I'm not just coming for something that will warm my heart for the day. But I am coming to these words, these words inspired and preserved by God, to hear the living voice of Jesus speaking with me. That's huge. That is huge. 
And so I come with this mindset, this anticipation that as I, I come to this, and, and when we're talking about the words of Jesus, we're not just talking about like the, the words in red ink in some of your gospels, right? Uh, but, but all the words that were inspired uh, through Christ Jesus from beginning to end. And, and so we come with this sense of, God, this isn't just about religion. This isn't just about uh, these list of things that I do this and don't do this, be modify my behavior, but I hear, I come anticipating hearing the living voice of Jesus speaking with me. And so I want to spend the rest of the time just talking about what that might look like in my life and yours. What might it look like for me to do whatever's necessary to keep the living voice of Jesus speaking with me through the words that Jesus spoke in Scripture. And to do that, I want to ask you to flip over to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, and I'm just going to get real, real basic with you. These are truths that we've covered before, but you never outgrow some of the fundamentals, right? You never outgrow the fundamentals, and so I I want to bring us back uh, to these. In James chapter 1, he gives us some, some guidelines that can help us to practically stay connected to Christ through Scripture. And the first guideline, we'll just describe this way, receive it with my ears. To receive the words of Jesus, his living voice, through the words of Scripture with my ears. In James chapter 1, this very, very short, practical letter of James, he kind of fires off uh, tons of statements as his writing style. Verse 19, he says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your Selves. Now let's pause right there. He talks about this receiving of the implanted word. Uh, but before he gets to that, he, he kind of talks about some other things, which I think uh, maybe we can describe this way. Four attitudes. Four attitudes that will improve my ability to receive, my reception of the Word of God. So if I'm sitting in a setting like this and and someone is teaching the Word of God, how do I prepare myself to improve my reception? Well, four things. The first is be quiet. Be quiet. Did you notice he said to be slow to speak, uh, quick to here. There is this sense that I, I have to come, and, and I have to come, and, and it's not, not just a sense of uh, I'm not going to like shouting or having side conversations, but, but it's more a quietness of the heart, so that, that I'm coming with a sense of God. I am anticipating you speaking to me. And so, Father, help me to quiet my heart. Father, help me to quiet my mind. Help me to come to moments like these and other moments where I get to receive the Word with my ears with, with a sense of anticipation, with the sense that, God, I am ready. I, I want to quiet my heart. I want to kind of you know, ramp down the, the, the noise so that I can hear from you to quiet my heart. And, and part of that is also to be calm, to be calm. And so he talks about uh, 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 slow to speak and slow to anger, slow to anger. And, and part of that is not just the, the quietness of my mind and the receptivity, but part of it is about what's going on in my heart. 
uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm coming and I'm, I'm just ramped up and, and, and maybe I'm, I'm full of just hurt or pain or bitterness, anger, and in those moments, it's like, how can I, how can I bring those down? God, I, I, I don't want to just, just come to these moments and just, and we've all done it, right? We've all done it. You know, we, we, maybe we've been reading or we've been hearing something. It's like we didn't hear it, we didn't read it because we were just like, oh, yeah. it's all this stuff was going on in our head and our heart. Quiet. Can I lower the RPMs? And then he talks about being clean. Being clean. To remove, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. And there's that sense of, of before I'm ready to receive, maybe I, I need to, to get prepared for that. And sometimes I, I liken it to this way. Let me go back to uh, maybe those growing up years when, when it was time to come eat dinner, right? And if you were like me, a lot of times we, we spent time like playing outside or something, right? And so you would come in and, and you know, the hands would be dirty and all these other things. And invariably, before you were allowed to come to the table, right, you first had to make a trip to the bathroom, right? <laughs> Some, you had to find a sink somewhere, right, or at least a water hose outside, right? Uh, clean your hands before you come to the table. And if you were like me, there were those times where you did a quick pass through and, uh, and showed up because you were ready to eat, and you quickly sat down and a quick inspection revealed that you needed to go back, right? <laughs> Try it again, this time with soap, right? <laughs> and you had to kind of go back and you had to, had to do it again. Before you show up at the dinner table, got to clean your hands, right? Before you get ready to receive God's word. And maybe that God will say, hey, there's some junk we just need to deal with. Don't bring that stuff to the feast of God's Word. And we've said, this is not about me being perfect. And, and very often, when I'm, when I'm opening myself up to God's Word, he's, he's showing me some new areas to, to, that need to be set aside. But I just, I just come and say, you know, if I'm really going to be receptive, I can't bring this filth in. There's some things that I need to turn away from, to confess, to be clean, and then be humble. He talks about to receive with meekness the implanted word. So that I come with this posture of humility. I come recognizing I am dependent. I come recognizing I don't know it all. Even if I, like, I've read this, I've heard messages on this, I've even taught this. I, you know, I kind of know this passage. I probably know what the teacher's even going to say about it or whatever it may be. But, but I come with a, with a humility. I come, I come not arguing. You know, sometimes, sometimes some people come and they, they want to hear something and, and they're kind of like, well, let me just let me just listen for one part of just a little theological hair splitting, right? Or I come with that, that, that sense of, of, well, you should have emphasized this more than that, or you're critiquing, right? No, 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 no. But I come and say, God, I want the living word of Jesus to speak to me through the scripture that you inspired. 
And I come best I know how, and I do it so imperfectly, but best I know how, I come humbly. I come openly to you. I receive it with my ears, but I also read it with my eyes, that I read it with my eyes. So I I come to the scripture in verse 22, we already read, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, and being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Now let's pause there. Talking about reading it with my eyes, and that we we have this incredible privilege. And I I know maybe some of us we just have always had this privilege. And sometimes if you've always had something, it doesn't seem like that big a deal. We have always, perhaps many of us, not all of us, have had access to the Scripture in a language we could understand. And you went through an education system. You came from a home where you know how to read that language. And that is not true everywhere in the world. There are so many people across this globe that do not have that access. Many of us in this room have several paper copies. We have instant access on a phone anytime, anyplace, anywhere. And sometimes we get so familiar and we forget what a privilege it is to read the words of Jesus, with the anticipation that the living word of Jesus is going to speak to me through it. But there are two qualifiers that I think James highlights here. When you read, he talks about look intently. Look intently. This is the difference between a glance and a glaze, right? A gaze, excuse me. Sometimes we we glance at something, but other things we just kind of fix our gaze upon. And sometimes we we come to come to the scripture and we come with a with a glance, right? Well, uh, let me let me just kind of you know read this real quickly, but then I I fix my gaze on the problem. I fix my gaze on on my calendar. I fix the gaze on the on the crisis or the news or, or or my, my social media feed, or, or whatever it might be. And so there's kind of a glancing, uh, you know, I kind of, I want to be able to check that off. I want to be able to say, I, you know, I, I looked at the word, and, and so I give it a glance. But he says, look intently. Look intently. That, that I'm coming not just to check off a box, not just to, to have some religious satisfaction that I did a, a quick pass, God, I want to look intently into your word. What does it say to me? And then he talks about persevering in that. He continues to do so. It talks about consistency. It talks about perseverance. And that's part of the key because, please hear me, I'm not trying to suggest to you that every time that you hear the word, every time that you read the word, it's going to be like this, you know, the heavens part and the angels start singing and it's like, ah, and all of a sudden, you know, no, it's not. It's not. But you keep showing up. You keep showing up. And when you do, when you do, 
you begin to find that the living voice of Jesus speaks personally to you through the words that he has recorded in the Scripture. And one of the functions of that, he says, is like a mirror. It's like a mirror. That God takes his word and it serves as a mirror. The mirror of God's word helps us to evaluate ourselves, to see what we look like on the inside. Remember we said, changed by the gospel, transformed by the gospel is the inside out. And if it's going to be from the inside out, then we've got to have some capacity to see what's going on on the inside. And the mirror of God's word does that. And so I need to expose myself to that along the way. As I was preparing for this, I thought about a uh, thing a couple weeks ago happened to me. I was just kind of going from one thing to another. And I, I had kind of been making my way through through a parking lot to, to get to this next engagement where I was going to be with some people. Uh, and it was just one of those windy days. And I kind of just like went straight in and, and had some technology stuff we had to handle and then like straight into, into time with people. And so that kind of went on for just a couple of hours. Uh, and finally, after that, you know, it was a break, goodbye, good to see you. Uh, and then I kind of made the way to the restroom, and, and I, like, I looked in the mirror, and it was like, oh, no. You know, because, uh, you know, for me, there's not as much hair as there used to be. It's thinner than it used to be. It gets moved around by the wind more than it used to. And so I kind of got there and I looked in the mirror and it's like, did I not have one single friend in that room? Was there like nobody that cared enough about me to say like two minutes before we started, (laughs) the restaurant was just like, you know, was just kind of doing whatever it was doing there, right? You know, and it's like, oh man, I can't believe that. Note to self, always, always, always go to the, look at yourself in the mirror before that, right? Oh man, right? When you don't look in the mirror, you don't see what you look like on the outside. When you don't look at the mirror of God's word, you don't see what you look like on the inside. But as bad as that was, you know what would have been far worse? If I had actually taken two minutes before that meeting, that group started, and I actually had had looked in the mirror, and I had seen what the wind had done to my hair, and then didn't do anything about it? How ridiculous. And yet James says, that sometimes is how we approach God's Word. We don't look at it, and we don't see on the inside. And sometimes even when we see, We don't do a whole lot about it. We'll circle back to that in just a moment. I read it with my eyes, but also research it. Research it with my hands and with my mouth. There's a sense my whole whole being gets involved in this. Uh, One of my uh, favorite groups in the New Testament, it just mentioned so very, very briefly, uh, there's some folks in Berea, and Paul comes there, and he's he's left Thessalonica where he shared the gospel. There was persecution that broke out. He makes his way to Berea, and he's still sharing the gospel. Uh, But these folks, these folks are intent. They want to know what God says. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness. Do you think they had a posture of, we want to learn? Do you think they were receptive to hear? 
But even as they were eager to hear, it said, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Yes, they heard it. And we hear a lot of things, don't we? We hear a lot of messages, and some of them are put together so well. And they're the, 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 the smoothness, the, 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 the articulateness of the messenger, the, the media behind it, and all those things is wonderful. But to examine the Scriptures, to see if these things are so. We could say research is Bible study. It's, it's kind of another level of engagement beyond just hearing, beyond just even just reading, although it starts with those, uh, but, but, but to, to dive in a little bit further. And let me just give you two vital aids to the, the study of the Bible, and I'm not talking about like resources you have to go and buy, uh, but two vital aids. The first is write it down. Write it down. So that I, I come and I, if I really am anticipating that the, vo- the living voice of Jesus is going to speak to me, then wouldn't that be worth maybe taking a note or two on that? <laughs> to say, hey, this is important. I don't want to miss this. I don't want to forget this. And so I come with this anticipation that the, the living voice of Jesus may speak. And we've taught very simple. I think we even have on our website kind of a devotional study form that's just a great place. Uh, SOAP is what we use, SOAP, uh, Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. Uh, and there's some, that may be helpful to you. But it's just something as simple as it doesn't have to be elaborate. Just use a very simple little uh, pen and paper. Uh, you can do a keyboard. You can do it however you want. But just say, I'm going to write it down. And so, as I read this scripture, and then I say, God, what do I see here? Observation. And then, God, what, what does this mean to me? What do I need to do in light of this? What, 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 and we've got some questions there that can even help you with some of that application. But to write it down. To write it down. And I want to tell you, there's something powerful about doing that. Somebody said years and years ago that thoughts disentangle themselves when they pass over the lips or through the fingertips. And there's something about that when I begin to write some of those things down, it it helps to give focus and definition and, and refinement to some of the thoughts that are buzzing around there. Write it down. But not only write it down, but I I would suggest to you a way to take that even one step further is to talk it over. To talk it over. And so that I'm, I'm with, a, with a group of people and we're, we're, we're looking at this same scripture and we're writing down the things that we sense God is saying to us in that. And then we also harness the power of the body of Christ. And this may be a very, very small group. I, I got a, a small group of guys that we're doing this with and we're, we're writing it, we're reading it together, we're writing it down and we're talking it over. Uh, it's just very, very simple, but it can be very, very powerful along the way because as you hear, uh, the, uh, how other uh, men, and in my case, that have interacted with that, it, it, be, it becomes like, oh, whoa, oh, I, hadn't, I didn't see that that way. That's, yeah, that's, that, that opens up a whole new thought for me to wrestle with here. And so we begin to have the opportunity to speak into one another's life through this word of God. So receive it. 
with my ears. Read it with my eyes. Research it with my hands and my mouth. Fourthly, review and remember it with my mind. Review and remember it with my mind. Remember, we're talking about how do I stay connected to Christ through this gift that he's given us of his word. Review and remember it with my mind. And this is about memorization and meditation. Memorization and meditation. And I know almost instinctively some of us are saying, well, I can't memorize. I can't memorize scripture. I can't memorize like I used to or whatever it may be along the way. Uh, but I want to encourage you uh, to, to press into this a little bit. Joshua 1.8, when Joshua's taking the reins of leadership from Moses, he's challenged, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Uh, there, is, there is something about, uh, about having this word and, and meditating upon it, going over it again and again and again that, that puts me in a position to be and to do all of those things that God desires me to be and to do along the way. And so let me just make this real simple. Uh, what, I'm, what I'm just talking about is just maybe just even taking one verse a week and just say, I, I, I'm going to try to just commit this to memory. And even if you say, I can't memorize anymore, just what I just tell folks to do, just read over it again and again and again. Just keep it with you. Keep it on your card. I've got some apps on my phone. I just keep it there. I can pull it up uh, and even do some little quizzes or stuff with it just to, just to help keep it fresh before me. But just to come back to it, and just to, just to, I'm going to marinate in that a little bit. I'm reading, I'm writing, uh, but I just want to take one verse and just kind of marinate on that in particular. And it's amazing what God will do with that. It's amazing how God will let you see things in light of that word. It's amazing where something, maybe you even think, I couldn't, I can't call it back from memory now three or four weeks later. Uh, but, but in a moment, in a moment when you need it, God's Holy Spirit brings that back front and center to your mind. And so I would encourage you, if you're not doing that, maybe to, to consider, is that something I need to take up again? And maybe just to say, I'm going to lock into a verse and I'm just going to kind of keep it before me uh, on a weekly basis uh, and just kind of review it day by day by day. So I review and remember it with my mind. But let me just give you one other, uh, the fifth way that we can kind of stay connected through the word. And that is, we've already alluded to, respond to it with my actions, that I respond to it with my actions. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, because if you're here only, you deceive yourself. At the end of verse 25, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. That it is actually in the, the practice, the doing of it, that I actually experience the, 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 the most benefits, the most blessing out of this interaction with God's Word. It's been said that I only believe those parts of the Bible that I actually do. And not those things that I'll talk about in a Bible study, not those things that I'll, I'll even argue about in a theological debate, but what is it that I actually do? We, we tend to, in our culture, equate belief with just intellectual assent, that I, I nod my head. I agree with that. I'm in favor of that. I believe that. But when the Bible uses words like belief and faith, it, it really is about trust. 
I, I trusted enough to depend upon it. I trusted enough to align my life in accordance with it. I trusted enough to do it. And I really only believe, from the scriptural perspective, I only believe the parts of the Bible that I actually do. And this is not just a James thing, right? I mean, Jesus said, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And many of you know, if you go back to to Matthew 7, the whole teaching there, he talked about two different hearers. And the difference isn't in what they heard, the difference is how they responded. One heard, didn't do anything about it. One heard and did something about it. Did it, put it into action. And he said, the one who didn't do anything about it is like a foolish man, built his house on the sand, inevitable storms of life came, he collapsed. The wise person heard and did And in the inevitable storms, he was able to stand firm because his house was built upon a rock. Respond to it with my actions. Now, let me circle back for just a moment more. As I've gone through this, some of you may be even processing in your brain, well, wait a minute, Jeff, you talked about transformed by the gospel. You've said we, these things don't earn us any merit with God, and, and now it sounds like you're saying kind of do, do, do this, do this, do this, do this, right? It's like there's this effort, and it seems to be this contradiction between effort and grace and effort and work and transformed by the gospel, and I just love the way that Alice Willard uh, phrased this, and uh, I want you to hear it in this context. Grace is not opposed to effort. Never has been. It is opposed to earning. Grace is not opposed to effort. It's all these commands of Scripture. We we talked a little bit last week about, well, what about the commands of Jesus as he talked about them in John 15? Grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. If I think that if I read my Bible, if I do these things, that God loves me more, I'm denying the gospel. So we said last week, there's nothing I can do to make God love me more. If I'm in Christ, there's nothing I can do to make him love me more. There's nothing I have done that will make him or will do that can make him love me less. That doesn't mean he's opposed to effort. He's opposed to earning. So that I recognize that I'm absolutely dependent upon him. So Paul said to the Philippians, we keep coming back here. To work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work within you. Both to will, create the desire, and to work for his good pleasure. Grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. When Paul thought about his his ministry, he talked about striving. He talked about laboring. But he said, I do that all according to his power that works so powerfully within me. He was dependent even in the effort. So let me address one other thing as we close. Because maybe you're here and you're saying, Jeff, I hear what you're saying. And I actually agree with it. I know there's value in this scripture but my problem is in the pace of life with all that's going on honestly 
there are just days that I don't feel like reading the Bible. There are days that I don't make time. I don't feel like I can find time to interact with the Bible. And what I'm going to say to you is welcome to the club. Right? Welcome to the club. So what do you do on days like that? What do you do if you find yourself kind of even caught up in a season where maybe the best you'll do it is just a cursory hit and run on the Scripture? What I would say to you is recognize kind of where you are. Own it. And just be honest to God with that. God, I, I know I, I, I kind of should have a hunger for this, but honestly, right now, I don't. And so I'm going to repent of that, Lord. And God, I, I, I ask you just to work in me to create again a new and a fresh a hunger for your work. So I, I, I just can repent, God. I've been, I've been crowding my schedule with tons of other things. I've, I've kind of been filling my mind. I've found time to do these other things. I, I've, I've fed my mind all these other things, kind of almost junk food instead of a feast. And so I want to turn from that. And as you do, would you stay and just rejoice that you're his child, that he doesn't love you less today than he did before because you've been struggling with the desire for his word. Because in that security is going to be your power to move forward. You rejoice in what he has provided for you, who you are in Christ Jesus. And then you just request, just say, God, would you help me to engage again with your scripture? Would you help me, Lord? Would you create in me a desire and then just re-engage, re-engage, right? Whether I feel like it or not, God, I, I can't control what I did or didn't do yesterday. Oh, God, I, I, can, I can start today. And so I'm going to re-engage with your word. And here's what I'll tell you. You go through ups and downs and seasons where you have maybe a greater desire than others. But if you'll, if you'll in those moments, own it, recognize it, repent, rejoice in the provision of the gospel, request that he help you again and you begin to re-engage what you'll find is that he'll meet you there. What you find is that he will stir in you as you keep showing up a desire to hear from him through his word. Wherever you are today, he's not finished with you yet. One of the greatest gifts he's given you is the scripture that you can read and understand in your word. The challenge that I have for us as we close is how will you engage with it? Let's bow our heads together and pray, please. Father, thank you for the gift of your word. And Lord, thank you that it is so, so powerful in our lives and that you continue to use it. And Father, through the, the, the written words of Scripture, you, Lord, help us as your children in Christ Jesus to hear the living voice of 
Jesus. And Lord, I pray today, Lord, I pray knowing that maybe for some of us in busyness, some of us in weariness, some of us in just uh, overload of information, maybe maybe it's gotten lost a little bit. Maybe it's gotten shoved aside. Maybe it's become a little more surface along the way. Maybe our, our hearts kind of shut down to that a little bit. Father, would you just help us to kind of recognize where we are, to own that today. And, and if there's anywhere we need to repent, to turn from that and just, and just to, to praise you and rejoice in the standing that we have in Christ Jesus. And Lord, and Lord, today we just ask you to help us, to teach us, to show us how to engage with you and with your word, how to abide in Christ through God's gift of scripture to us. And I'm just going to ask you to be still for just a, a minute more.